Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I promised you fans on Twitter it was going to be lit on the Ron Johnson Show today, and I am lit. I was up late. I don't even know if I could go to sleep after the way that game ended. There was a hero. That hero was not Superman. It was not Batman. It was Heartman, and it wasn't even Kirill. But we'll talk about all of that coming up next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to get started today. And, I mean, you got hockey parlays. You got basketball parlays. You can just bet the straight-out money line. Now, with hockey, I'm not going to lie, people. I can't give you any tips on how to bet your hockey. That's going to be Sam Ekstrom. He'll give you some uh, some hockey tips if you're looking for some parlays. Uh, I don't know if it's a first goal scorer. I don't know if it's a any goal scorer because uh, I really don't know who's going to get hot. But I do know this. We are going to talk about Kirill, Boldy, and that man Hartman. Also, there was a golden gopher that uh, kind of jumped out there for me that I was very confused when I heard the name pop up. And so we're going to talk about this golden gopher and the confusion and ending up on the Sports Center top 10. I mean, come on. Like, is there any better debut than that? And we'll talk about that young man coming up next. But remember, people, also, you can download Locked On Sports Minnesota's app on Amazon Fire and Roku. Just go to your Amazon Fire or your Roku device. Go to your apps, hit add channel, search Locked On Sports Minnesota. It'll come up right there on your TV. You can get all of our, all of our shows. You can get all of our videos. You can go back and just watch some interviews, some hot clips, some post-game reactions. You're going to want to be around for the draft. We are going to break down all the draft picks as much as we especially Friday. That Friday football after that first round of the draft, we are really going to hit that round table. And then, of course, that Monday after the draft. So you're going to want to stick around for that. And thanks for everybody for making Ron Johnson your first listen. But make sure you check out the Minnesota Football Party. That's four days a week, Monday through Thursday. You can check out Arif Hassan, Luke Braun, Luke Inman, and Sam Ekstrom on the football party. And it varies who shows up. But as I bring my uh, producer into the show, uh, my sidekick, I, I, I tweeted, I texted Sam at one point, and I tweeted <laughs> to Sam that we, I'm up. I, I stayed up, Sam. It's lit. You know what? It's you made it. I, I felt like you know. I felt like Hartman. Because you got Superman, you got Batman, you got Aquaman. All of them kind of do this throughout their journey. And I feel like Hartman, I feel like Hartman did that. I got my Minnesota Wild shirt on today. I feel like Hartman, you know, he kind of jumped out there and became a hero uh, for the people. One, a hero to get us to bed. Because I was looking up, like, after the second overtime started, I started Googling, like, the longest games in uh, the NHL history, there was some six overtime games, six overtime games. Are you serious? 
six? Like, come on, somebody just at that point. I mean, guys are probably just skating, hanging on each other, just like, dude, just somebody make this. Like, I mean, you have to be exhausted. Plus, then you got to give them like the little mint, the what 10 to 15 minute break in between overtimes, right? Way too much time. So I am so glad Hartman stepped up. I was a little nervous, I'm not gonna lie. On that power play, I think in the first overtime, I was like, oh, this might be the dagger for the for the wild like that that first power or that's right that last power play uh i was like oh that was dicey yeah i was like that and they got like six or seven solid shots on goal six or seven solid and gustafus augustus what did he say how did you say gustafson 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 he was he was amazing i mean 54 shots on goal 52 saves. Now, at one point in the first period, it was like 21 to 11 in favor of the wild shots on goal. Yep. And I was like, man, if they continue at this pace, they're going to. And then all of a sudden, it ended up being 54 to the stars and 48 to the wild. But you know what? All that matters is at the end. You got down to the end and your guy Hartman did it. Now, there were, like I said, there was the top 10 play. Uh, Brock Faber. Now, I heard that name against Quinnipiac, and I'm like, is he? does he have a brother? Like, I'm literally, I was about to tweet Brett Favor, Favor, and then I had to, like, look again. I'm like, wait, no, that's the same person. And so I didn't realize that either. I didn't realize you could do that, that you could go pro and then go, you know, literally 10 days later or whatever it was, play in the NHL playoffs. I assume that you go pro and then you go to the team that has your rights at that time, and then you practice, you work out. You know, and you get ready for next season because we know hockey never stops. So that's what what my assumption was. And I heard his name and he had a ridiculous save. I mean, he put his stick. And again, it's right place, right time there. there, You you don't I mean, I guess you purposely do that. I'm not going to I'm not going to hate on hockey players. But for that puck not to go over his stick just a little bit for him to like just the the goalie was dead in the water because he had turned left and then it was so quick like i don't know if he would have got back if he had went high like high net or upper corner or whatever you want to call it i just don't i don't know five hole i don't even know i don't think it would have been like i think it would have been game over and so that's why i'm guessing brock Faber got uh um the top 10 i think somebody tweeted to me this morning it was number three on the sports center top 10 so if it's not hey Blame this person on Twitter. That's three Ron Johnson on Twitter. If you want to follow my tweet, because I did respond to that person, but I I, I haven't seen it. Um, but that's what I've heard. It's a top ten play, which makes sense. It was a huge play and a huge moment. And uh, for that young man to go from playing against Quinnipiac to now playing against the Dallas Stars, that's a huge leap, Sam. But Sam, I know you're up. I know you're a big time hockey mind. Uh, I'm excited. Like I, I said, I'm a I'm a playoff hockey person. Like this is my time. I'm 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 probably gonna yeah. you know I'm gonna reach out to uh what's his name too Troy uh down in Iowa and see if we can get him or Todd sorry Todd Fredrickson to see if we can get him on the show too to talk a little wild hockey because uh, that's the last time I went like he was on the power trip with me and then I kind of joked like I've never been to a hockey game he's like hey man I got two tickets for you and the wife I'm like okay and I went to the high I went to the playoff hockey game first hockey game ever and so now I'm hooked on playoff hockey mm-hmm. I don't know so much about regular season hockey not gonna lie I, have, I did not go to a game this season I failed as a parent I was supposed to get my kids to a hockey game this year but I did not do it uh but Sam w- w- what are your thoughts on this game yeah, well, Ron, playoff hockey is maybe the best postseason of all the postseason. So this is the time to tune uh, in. It's so good. It's so playoff it's hockey so good. better than football and basketball and it's March so Madness. Intense. 
We have yeah. to bring that up Friday. We have to rank these Friday. Yeah. Football round or sorry, not football. Friday round table. We have to rank these. But what what you got? The 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 tension, Ron. Didn't you feel the tension as the clock turned to midnight? As the clock turned to one, the price that these guys were paying. Uh, the Wild were so gritty. Like I know that it's very cliche because that's sort of their playoff motto: <laughs> grit first. Um, but they were. They actually demonstrated that the defensemen True. were so tough, laying their bodies on the line. Brodeen, Spurgeon, Faber. Uh, they were putting it all out there. And it's so hard to score in playoff hockey. Like five on five last night, there was only one goal in regulation. And that was the the wild breakaway to tie it um, in the third period, uh, second period, sorry. But then it was hard to score even strength in overtime. It's all about special teams. Ron, you were yep. all over this. Special teams for Dallas. I mean, that that was the scary part for the wild. The Dallas stars got two quick power play goals. And then when they had the power play in the first overtime, you're sweating the second overtime you were sweating. And you kind of knew that if the wild could just fend off those power plays, they were going to have a good chance. And sure enough, they got the bounce in overtime, but it wasn't, you know, it was kind of a lucky bounce. They, the puck went right to Hartman. He was all alone in front. Those are the kind of goals that you have to score in the playoffs. You got to be opportunistic, Ron. You got to be opportunistic and the wild cashed in when they needed to, because the defensive structures are just so like well-tuned for all these teams in the postseason. Yeah. And, and special teams, again, I, I think that was the key. When you look at the, the stars, they were, when they're defending the power play, they're third. I mean, they clear that puck yeah. out. So, I mean, I, I was saying that like, we're just watching it. Cause again, playoff hockey is a little bit more exciting to me. Um, but just the way they skate together, the way they cover every angle, it almost felt like at times, even though they were in the power, or sorry, they were defending the power play. It felt like they were at strength. Like it felt like they were, they were like, make like the the wild could not figure out how to attack their special teams like it, it just i was like how are they defending the power play and the wild look uneasy like it just did not come easy to them in the power play whereas vice versa when they were going after the power player or i don't even know how he say it when they're in the power play on uh, on the power play on the power play yep when they were on the power play uh they're fifth as far as attacking and it showed like they had the wild on their heels. Like they were taking shot after shot. Felt like little John shot, 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 shot. Everybody, like every, every, every Dallas Stars player was getting a shot. Like I literally, like, I don't know if the wild can do that in their power plays, but that needs to be, I don't know if that's the thing. Maybe that's the thing. And I don't know. Cause I don't go to wild games. Maybe when the wild are in the power play, little John song plays like shot, 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 shot. Like, but that, that would be a dope, collab Lil John Minnesota Wild shot after shot uh but yeah like it's it's amazing and so for them to get that win now I don't know where the series is going to go they do have to play one more there and then they get to come home for two uh and that's why I'm gonna get Todd Fragerson on here because I, I need some tickets maybe um but and I, I don't think it'll work my kids have way my daughter has way too many sports now um but when you, when you, <laughs> the games are late ron you could still make it they are late but me and my wife just did the math on her friday and her saturday so last saturday we were at volleyball her last game didn't start to 9 15 p.m we got Ugh. there at 1 30 so it was a it was like a eight and a half nine hour tournament uh this saturday she has a track meet or yeah, I think Friday, no Friday. No. Yeah. Saturday, Friday or Saturday. I can't remember, but she has a track meet in the morning. 
I think it's Friday. I don't know. My days are screwed up. But she has like a track meet in the morning. Then she has uh, volleyball. And then she has softball. Yeah, that's Saturday. She has the Saturday track meet in the morning. Then she has volleyball tournament. And then she has softball that night. It's like, what are we doing? And it's all over, too. The softball's in Rosemount. Uh, the volleyball is probably in Burnsville or Lakeville. And then the track meet is like at Concordia or something. I think I looked up. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, but anyway. So, like, I'm going from Concordia to Burnsville back over to Rosemount. But uh, when you think about, and, and I hope they change the Rosemount. I heard it's going to be in Eden Prairie, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that because I do not want to be in Rosemount late at night. Um, but, yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We have to, might have to find a driver to drive my daughter around. But when you think about these late games, too, and, again, I saw Brandon Molesky, uh tweet this, big-time hockey guy uh, beyond the pond uh, on KFAN, uh, does the wild post game. He tweeted that the NHL needs to figure this out. There should have been a seven o'clock game. So it could have ended at nine 30, 10 o'clock uh, one for the young kids that might want to watch a little bit of before bed. Um, but that's that that's another one. These late games, because basketball and hockey, for some reason, we're in the Midwest. We're getting screwed. All of our games are late. Um, I feel like Minnesota employers. It should be a clause. Like if the wild or the wolves play late, either no work like it's a it's a company holiday the next day or you don't have to start till noon because either way we got they got to figure this out because this is this is these games are really late and uh but man playoff hockey to me there's the one thing i'll say though gustafson 54 52 for 52 54 however you say it 54 shots on goal 52 saves do you think now with that performance because we've talked about goalie and you still have mark andre fleury get the flower playoff body sitting back there how do you like and, and again this is just one game so i don't want to be captive of the moment because i know how we get in sports but with a performance like that how do you even decide to maybe start flurry like i don't see how right. you do that yeah dean evison the, the head coach said something kind of interesting uh, i think it was yesterday he said we're gonna handle the goalies like we have all year which insinuates that they're going to rotate because they've been rotating all year. But hmm. you got to be adaptable. You got to be flexible. If a guy stands on his head like that, I think you got to go with the hot hand. Now, there is an element of fatigue, Ron. He just played the longest game in franchise history. True, true. Um, and this is a team so, game. True. Yeah, so in any other circumstance, you might want to rest a guy who played that much. But he's also the guy with momentum, uh, and you don't want to mess with that. So I would start Gustafson. But it's possible that they preordained this, Ron. It's possible that they told Gus, hey, you're starting game one, but no matter what happens, Flurry gets game two. Maybe that was the plan all along. And, and Versus, it could be. Yeah. And it, it might be. And I'm not I'm not totally upset with that either. Like I think Flurry is capable. But I I just like the idea of riding a hot goalie throughout the postseason. And I think that that is Gustafson right now. And I don't want to mess with that. I think you'd have more regret playing Flurry and Flurry having a bad game than if you play Gustafson and and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I I'd rather play Gus. Yeah, because I, I feel like goalie like pitchers for so baseball pitchers are different than softball. I'm big softball. My daughter plays big time softball for her uh, age group. Uh, she's on a club travel team, and I think they're second best in the state right now. We'll see how they do in the Midwest with them when that nationals comes up in Iowa. Uh, but when you think about softball college softball for instance those pitchers because of the motion can just pitch non-stop 
Like, it, I mean, it does eventually start to hurt their shoulder. They get tired, fatigued, mm -hmm. but they can go. For baseball, it's a different whip. So guys are having Tommy Johns. They're messing with ligaments, elbows, so on and so forth. So they have to have a pitch count. Softball is like that. When you have a pitcher that's hot and she's just killing it, you ride that. You go with that pitcher. You just let her go until she tells you, all right, I'm starting to lose it. Or you notice she's starting to lose it. And I think goalie, to me, again, probably a bad analogy, but I feel like it's the same thing because when you see the game in which he was seeing it, like when I was watching some of the anticipation, uh, he was just in a, like he was in, he was, Neo, he was, he was uh, Neo. He was in the matrix. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like Keanu Reeves had put on the suit and he was John Wick or something, or he was the one, like he literally was seeing zeros and ones. He was no longer just seeing the puck because at one point, and again, I appreciate ESPN because I did tweet this that I loved in some of the power plays. They were putting the graphic up every time a person touched the puck. They put their name over, even though they were saying it every once in a while, they weren't always doing it. But that helped me see where the puck was going because that thing whips around so fast. Sometimes you're like, who has the puck right now? And so for me as a novice, I love that because I was able to keep up with, okay, pucks there, pucks there, pucks there. Puck. Oh, and for the goalie, you could see him kind of positioning himself, depending on where he thinks the shot's going to come from. And every single time, just about 92% of the time, he was guessing right. Like he was, or not even guessing, he knew this angle, I got to be here. This angle, I got to be here. Uh, other than the save by, uh, uh, what's his name, Brock Faber, he was pretty much there. You know, like, and, and even with the, 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 like the blocking of the goal where I, I don't know if that's the defenseman or the wingman who does that, he gets in his way and tries to obstruct his view. So if the shots come in, he can either take his stick and knock it in, or he's just blocking the goalie's view. Yeah. Usually um, the center, the center, the center. Usually. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Center. You're in the middle. Um, even with that, you could see him like not getting into that, 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 uh, cause like sometimes they get caught up in pushing a guy and then you're screwed because you end up out of position. He didn't get let that bother him one bit. Like he was in the zone. And I agree. I feel like you you ride the hot hand, but oh man, I, I could talk hockey. This is like after that. Like I, again, I'm looking forward to talking some more hockey because I, I could talk hockey um when I watch the games like that. Playoff games like that, I could talk it all night because it, it actually makes sense now. Like I understand Minnesota being the state of hockey. Like I, I feel like one of us right now. I feel like I'm a part of it. Like I, I do, I have like I have the the glow. I don't know if you've seen Bruce Leroy, uh, in in uh, the Last Dragon, but I feel like I have that glow now. Like like I'm I'm there. Like I'm like oh, I yeah, see I it. I glow. see it emanating. Like man, you have an aura. Yeah, it's like green and red, and it's just like Rick James, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or Prince. Like Dave Chappelle said, Prince with the purple, the purple light. Mine is like green and red right now. But we got to bring uh, uh, agent. From IFA Marketing and in, in, in firm, he started this firm way back, I think, 2009, Blake Barrett's. Uh, he represents Adam Thielen and CJ Ham. So that's one of the most important reasons I wanted to get him on the show. But also there's a lot going on in the NFL. So we'll talk about we're going to definitely talk to him about CJ Ham resigning with the Vikings, what that means for the running game. But before we do that, we have a word from our sponsors. We are presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's an official sportsbook partner of Locked On. NBA playoffs are here. NHL playoffs are here. What a time to stack up some parlays, some same game parlays, in fact, if you're on FanDuel. And you can also get a no-sweat first bet. If you are a new customer, get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If for some reason that first bet doesn't win, you get another chance. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, very easy to use. Bet on everything, and I mean everything. Hundreds of ways to bet, whether it's NBA, NHL, 
MLB, put together a little home run hitters parlay. It's a ton of fun. FanDuel lets you combine those bets, too, within the same game for a same-game parlay or a same-game parlay plus. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if the first bet doesn't win. FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Well, now it's time for the Hangover Ron Johnson segment, and I got a special guest. I've been trying to get this guy on for a while, but he's super busy uh, out there getting uh, players signed, whether it's NILs with the IFA uh, uh, part of the business, the uh, marketing side, or if it's just being an agent to uh, some familiar names. Uh, I'll bl- uh, bring in Blake. Blake is uh, an agent. I guess I can call you that, right, with IFA? That is correct. Okay, so Blake Barrett's, uh, I've known Blake for a while just through Adam Thielen and the uh, social media stuff, or sorry, the the uh, community stuff that Adam does. And then, uh, you know, getting to know Blake throughout just the seasons. It's been, I mean, it's been a long time with Adam Thielen being with the Vikings. I feel like forever. Uh, but now he's moved on to the Carolina Panthers. We won't jump into that right now. But I, I just want to talk to you about the NFL, because I know you're very passionate about the players you represent, about player safety. And I saw you make a comment about the owners have approved now it doesn't have to be used the nfl the league has approved for owners to be able to play two thursday night football games so i'm gonna jump out there about that one it hasn't they don't have to use it it's just hey if you want a second thursday night game you can have it uh because we know the financial implications but the player safety to me seems stupid but in your in your mind uh what is it going to take for the nfl to realize that that short turnaround from a sunday to thursday is probably not the best idea for the players long term Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never thought that there was a genuine uh, care for safety, let alone safety over dollars. So uh, the more games they play on, on national television, um, the more opportunities they have to get networks involved or other partners involved is a bottom line. Now that bottom line gets spread to the players, but it's very hard for me to understand how you talk about player safety in one breath and then are turning around and playing, you know, games in a three or four day span in the same breath and sending guys overseas and everyone's playing on a different surface. You know, it's, to me, it's talking out of both sides of your mouth. And I, right. I've understood it's a business and the 32 billionaire partners are very smart at generating more dollars. That's what they're good at. So uh, it doesn't make it right, but that's the reality of the situation. And when you look at your advisory board, you, know, you talk about guys like Will Allen, Bobby Ingram, um, you know, as former players, what are some of the things they're advising you guys on as an agency? Yeah, I mean, I think they're just there as, as mentors. You know, it doesn't really matter if it's truly an advisory board position or if it's guys that have retired like, you know, Kurt Coleman or Adrian Claiborne or Zach Moore or whoever it is. It's just I think it's just sharing the wealth of knowledge that you've had um, Ben Lieber yourself, whoever it is, anyone that's in our circle, you know, we, you know, we try to tap into our resources because it's part of the IFA family. And like, Ron, you're going to be able to talk to guy about what to expect at rookie minicamp, probably, you know, better than I can, or what to expect with a certain coaching staff. Mm-hmm. You know, I can only share our experiences and there's a lot of things I know, but there's a lot of things I don't know. So I think that's part of what we do is, is, we've done a good job of building our collective network and doesn't matter whether it's in sports or business or philanthropy, you know, that's, that's part of the IFA network. We want to share. That's really all we're doing is we're just trying to make sure all the spokes of the wheel are connecting. So you get the best of the best. 
uh, in all facets. It's not you know, the football portion of it is uh, what everyone talks about, but in the grand scheme of things uh, of what we're doing, you know, the life management stuff is, is a lot more, for, especially from a time consumption standpoint. Yeah, and I've been around you like to see guys like Tyler Johnson get drafted. Uh, you know, I've seen guys like Adam Thielen get extensions. I just saw Chris Boyd sign with the Arizona uh, Arizona Cardinals. Um, but but as a as a as an agent, marketing firm, you know, full service, what does that time look like right now with with your guys' day to day with GMs um, as well as companies wanting to you know get a piece of these players that you guys represent? But what does that look like right now between teams? agents players uh leading up into the draft because april 27th 28th 29th it's coming you know faster than we can believe it uh but what does that look like day to day for you yeah typically like around this time we're finishing up free agency and we're going into the off-season program uh and leading up to the draft you know this year we didn't we intentionally didn't go after any rookies this year because we were just recalibrating and adding to our leadership team but typically in the draft process it's going through visits going through additional workouts checking every every box, seeing where teams have these guys, if there are concerns, going on last-minute visits. Um, the draft in and of itself, the draft boards aren't going to change dramatically from now uh, until the draft in, in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, 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 you're clean, clearing anything up. If there's, any, if there's any questions, some teams are inquiring, you know, where do you think your player is going to go? What teams have expressed the most interest to you? It's kind of a – a chess mess, but, but at this time of the year, you, you get a good understanding of which teams are really interested. Like, you know, I've been having conversations with our, with our potential rookie class back from October or November mm-hmm. during their college season to find out who likes who. And, and it's a process, you know, the, the general managers have a job to do. They're worried about their practice squad, their 53 man roster, the extensions, free agency. And eventually they get caught up in January, February, and March to prepare themselves for the test. That's, that's in April. Um, sometimes the scouts have more influence. Some organizations, they have less influence. Sometimes you got owners that'll go in on draft day and, and move a guy on a board. So every organization, like every, you know, any retail organization target operates a little different than Walmart and Las Vegas Raiders operate a little different than Minnesota Vikings. So mm-hmm. you get an understanding of who, um, of how each operates, you know, they all, they all operate a little differently. You know, who has say so, you know, who you can get transparency from, you know, who it's strictly business about, you know, that's just years of building up like anything else, relationships and credibility. Yeah. And, and when you look at the NIL, cause I know you guys are now invested in college players as well, from a marketing standpoint um, of these NIL dollars, whether it's, Hey, we're just going to advise you. We're going to show you what to do, what not to do, how to help you get to it. Um, how was how that changing the scope of going from an NIL opportunity with a marketing firm to then being able to move over to say, okay, I want this person to represent me as an agent. Cause I know that's kind of a gray area right now for the NCAA. Yeah. I mean, I would say we don't really know yet because it's only been around for a year or two. So we're, right. we're dipping our toe into it. I don't think we're jumping mm-hmm. face first into it. And our idea, you know, in a weird way, it's not that much different than how we're approaching marketing for our NFL players, but we're right. going into these college players saying, listen, we don't know how many dollars are out there for you. That's not how we define name, image, and likeness. Right. We want to go and help build your brand, teach you how to be a pro, understand how to handle the media, understand social media, how do we get involved in the community? You know, there's no better way to earn dollars 
um, than by showing the community, especially in a community like Minneapolis, that you're engaging and you're authentic right. and you want to give back and you care. At the end of the day, a lot of the schools, whether they want to admit it or not, are, are bringing NIL deals for guys to play football at their school or basketball at their school. And we just tell guys, like, don't get it twisted. Like, you're getting paid that amount of money to play football at Georgia or Ohio mm -hmm. State. It's not because as a right guard, you're coming in and you're marketable. Let's just call it what it is. I'm not saying don't accept the money. I'm not saying right. you don't deserve the money. Let's just not call it marketability. You're getting paid to play football there. And you're not going to be more marketable when you go third round at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Brands aren't looking uh, to spend $150,000 with a guy that has 3,000 followers and plays guard. Like, it's just not reality. So you can call it whatever right. you want. Uh, yeah. but, and that's why we're, we're particular of who we work with because we want the guys – will there be dollars that come? Yes. But we got to go build the brand up first. And that's the same thing we do for CJ Ham or Adam Thielen or Jonathan Allen. They just call it NIL because it's, it's a collegiate program. Yeah, and, and so yeah. when you think about that from a collegiate program standpoint, you know, uh, I'm seeing, you know, like the Cavender twins at, at Miami and, and you got this Livy Dunn young lady at LSU for gymnastics, you know, making over a couple million dollars. Uh, has IFA started to look at that? Like not just the athletes within these colleges, but the, the athletes like a volleyball girl at Minnesota, because Minnesota volleyball is, is one of the best in the country um, mm -hmm. that has a lot of followers. And, and it's like, hey, look, you are a great volleyball player. You have a lot of followers. Let us help you with this branding. Yeah, so uh, the short answer is yes. The longer answer is we're spending a lot of time building out our marketing team so that we can actually work with the brands Mm -hmm. that are trying to get to the NIL space, that are trying to get in the sports marketing space that we may already be working with to then go say, hey, whether you work with an IFA client or not really doesn't matter. We're going to put an individualized plan together for you on how you can get into the space. And if you're Jack Links or Caribou or Wiley Wallabies Licorice and it makes the most sense for you to deal with the volleyball team at the University of Minnesota, then that's the program and plan we're going to put in place for you. So... It's yes and no. Uh, we're not just randomly going after student athletes across the country. Um, we're trying to figure out where it makes sense from an influencer perspective for the brand first. Because we're naturally in the National Football League space, there's a benefit to us to working with the student athletes that have the opportunity to go to the National Football League on the talent side of our business. But to your point, there's a whole lot of opportunity for other student athletes and for brands to take advantage of other student athletes in that space, because those are the influencers. But I think there's an education piece to this, right? Like they hear NIL, they don't know compliance. They don't know values. They don't know how to get hold of student athletes. It's a, it's an education process and it's a, it's an right. education cycle. and it's still new. And the laws and the rules change every six months. And there's certain things you can do in Minnesota that you can't do in Georgia. And there's certain things you can do in Georgia that you can't do in Minnesota. So it's it's uh it's an ever changing environment, and I'm I'm fairly certain whatever the environment is today is not going to be the environment 24 months from now. Yeah, because I mean, you know, when you started this in 2009, and, and you had a vision, and and then you look at 2011, you know, Adrian Claiborne uh, signs first fully guaranteed rookie deal. Um, that's not talked about a ton. You know, everybody wants to talk about the RG3 and the Andrew Lux. Um, but they don't talk about the first fully guaranteed, you know, rookie deal, um, you know, especially for a non-quarterback player. But, you know, as you guys grow and as you, you know, like what, what are the things you're trying to, 
to, to show the world that IFA can do or just show your clients is what you can do? Yeah, it's funny. We talk about that a lot internally. Um, I think we're always trying to be progressive. We're always trying to think outside the box. Um, we're always trying to have a comprehensive, holistic approach to, to guys' lives. And, and, you know, 98% of what we do has nothing to do with an NFL contract. So we're, we're constantly trying to evolve um, within the bandwidth that we have. So that's, that's where our network comes in. That's where our collaboration comes in. That's where our, um, our expertise and our credibility and our trust come in. We like, you know, we sit around our conference room next door and whiteboard a lot of stuff. And, and uh, I'm always one that I think, you know, I, I live kind of 10,000 foot view and, and really believe if we ideate and strategize and work together, we can accomplish anything. I really firmly believe that. Um, and we have the team to execute it. That doesn't mean mm -hmm. we're experts in everything. Sometimes we have to find the experts in certain areas to pull it off. But it all it all starts with the fundamental, um, I guess, belief that all of our all of our clients have just a tremendous platform. They do, and they can make a huge difference. What that difference is is different to every guy. Some guys want to use it philanthropically. Some guys want to give back to their own community. Some guys want to make enough money that they can retire and not do a thing again the rest of their life. Other guys want to make sure. They can send all their kids to Harvard if, if that's what they want to do. Everyone's got different goals and there's different timelines and, and metrics to accomplish each. Uh, but that's why it's more of a life management company than really a traditional sports agency, because there's a lot of different factors. There's a lot of moving pieces. And uh, it's really important that the communication and the transparency is there that, you know, for everybody, for us to actually go execute, because for 30 guys, it's a, it's a lot. Everyone's got a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, no, and and I've seen you know the business side of it. I've seen the family side of it. Uh, you know, being working alongside a lot of these athletes, you know, whether it's covering them with with Fox Nine and the Vikings, whether it's on uh you know K Fan, whatever it might be. Um, and you know, talking to guys like yourself, when you when you look at this, you know, 2019, Adam Thielen signs a 64 million dollar extension. Uh, you know, everybody's you know, oh, I can't believe he's from Minnesota. I can't believe nobody drafted him. And you go on and go on. And then you fast forward to now, you know, and nobody expected Adam Thielen to not ever be a Viking. Uh, but what was that process like? Because when you think about Minnesota, when you think about Vikings, you don't ever think about it without Adam Thielen. And this is uncharted territory for a lot of fans, especially somebody like myself who, you know, kind of grew up in the marketing media world around an Adam Thielen type of player in Minnesota. Uh, but what was that whole process like realizing, you know what, Minnesota might not be the final stop uh, and it's time to go find you another team. Yeah. Again, I think it's just, it's all about being prepared and forecasting the future. We knew when he signed his deal, his restructure a year ago, that a year ago could have been the end of the line. So mm -hmm. we educate our players on what's coming down the pipeline, what could happen, the good news, the bad news, the indifferent news. You don't want any surprises in the NFL. They're not accidentally leaving a $10 million check in your locker. So <laughs> as long as you're prepared for it, then everyone has the ability to communicate on it. And again, it comes down to what Adam's goals are and what Adam and Kate's goals are. And was it, I want to retire a Viking no matter what? Was it, I want to win a Super Bowl? Was it, I want to play one more year? Is it, I want to play three more years? What are his goals? Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, you know, I'm always – very transparent. And I think when, when you can sit in a room and have a direct conversation, whether it's with a Rick Spielman, a Quasi, a Coach O'Connell, an Adam, a you, um, you know, calmer heads can kind of prevail if we're, if we're communicating properly. So mm -hmm. none of it was a surprise. Like in a perfect world, you know, 
if everything was perfect and the Vikings had salary cap space and, and he loved his role in the offense and, and he thought they could win a Super Bowl right this second and, you know, would it have been perfect if he could ride off in the sunset in Minnesota? Absolutely. Like, that would have made sense for everyone. But the Vikings have new, a new regime. They inherited a lot of stuff. They're kind of in between chasing a Super Bowl, a rebuild. You know, they got to pay another receiver. The role they asked them to do isn't, frankly, worth $10, $12, 13000000 million a year. Mm-hmm. So, like, we get it. Like, it makes sense. Like, you don't need to pay – Adam doesn't need to get paid $10 million a year to be a decoy, and it doesn't make sense for the Vikings to pay him $10 million a year to be a decoy. So, like, it made sense. And, and, and part of it is, you know, Adam is excited about a new opportunity. He's never played anywhere else. Doesn't mean he doesn't want right. to retire a Viking. He would have loved that. But, but to never have gone through free agency, to never have been in another building, to never had another team really want you, you know, mm-hmm. is, is part of the exciting part. And he's, his personality has always been like, I'm going to go earn it. I don't want anything handed to me. Like, you know, I think he's excited about helping rebuild something else. Like, that's exciting to him. And, again, everyone's got different goals. Some guys are chasing Super Bowls. Some guys are chasing the money. He went to a great city. They got a good new coaching staff. They have a good front office. They have great public schools. He can golf. You know, there's a lot of (laughs) philanthropic opportunities. So, you know, there's, there's a lot for him to be excited about. Yeah, and, and I, I coached with Frank Wright uh, a couple years with the coach. I was uh, an assistant under Dungy for one and then under Caldwell. And so I know Frank Wright has that kind of coach offense. I mean, you go back to Clyde Christensen, Tom Moore, who was with the Steelers, who n- went to the Bucks. It, it's going back to less and less of scheme and more and more my players better than your players. So, yeah, I do think it's a great fit for Adam. I think, you know, their slant hitches outs they're they're the basic offense uh digs comebacks curls that you know it's gonna get out of what he needs it to get out of it uh, but you did mention that like you know being a part of an offense uh where you're trying to, to to figure out okay look i was the man at one point and now like you're saying hey a lot of these routes are clear this out or you know you're gonna be the underneath route where jj's the over the top route uh, i'm guessing that because i saw his wife she tweets a ton um and i'm, I'm guessing that's a part of it um yeah like how how is that you know because adam is never a you know go off on people type of person he's a real mild mannered, respectable kid um you know and you can always see it in everything he does um Mm -hmm. so so how was that for him handling that like because everybody could tell it was we're going to force feed the ball to jj there was no secret kevin o'connell said it coming in i'm going to treat him like i treated uh cooper cup at, at the rams uh, not realizing, like, you don't have just a Cooper Cup. You have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. So, yeah, I know that was part of it. But, yeah, how, how was that mentally for Adam realizing, you know what, I still can be the man somewhere else? I mean, I don't think there's any secret about it. He was frustrated. Um, <clears throat> I think the Vikings knew he was frustrated. He was frustrated. But he's a pro. Like, he's going to come. He's not going to bitch about it. He's not going to bitch his way out. Like, he's going to come in and work hard and be a pro. And I think that's why it was hard to let him go because they know what he means to the organization. And – at no point did he complain about it, uh, but was it a frustrating year for him? Sure, it was, um, because he knows he could contribute more to the team winning. It doesn't come down to how many targets he gets. He wants to win. Um, right. It's not that much different than C.J. Ham, right? Like, C.J. was used to playing 30% of the snaps under Mike Zimmer and Stefanski, and now, you know, a new coaching staff comes in that's never really had a fullback on the field, and he plays 10%. 
but you know, they're growing. They're realizing, you know what? Things happened well when CJ was on the field. We have to yep. adapt as a coaching staff. So again, there were no, um, there was no animosity. Like these conversations have been going on for a while. Like we right. respect them. They respect Adam. These are all people I got to work with again in the future. There's no, he's a, he's a ring of honor type of guy. Like he's going to be in this city, you know, for the next 40 years in some way, shape or form. Definitely. He's done a lot of great things here. It's, it's a business, you know, Tom Brady moved on to a new team, you know, everyone, <laughs> Correct. Yep. everyone moved on at some point. And sometimes it's forced, you know, like Stefan Diggs situations and other times it's amicable and, there are opportunities where it can be a win-win-win for everyone if it's handled the right way. So yeah, no, and, and that's the thing. I think people have to understand it is a business. I know the fans; uh, they were not happy. They love Adam. They wanted him here forever, but it's a business. Uh, it's a sport. Uh, guys are going to come back, and coaches are going to hang out with each other later. Um, you know, it's one of those things where yeah, it, it's just something sometimes that has to happen financially because if the salary cap could be like baseball and you could buy whoever you want it. Football would look totally different. Um, I was going to say to that point, last one before we get out of here, or maybe two more. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm like a strength coach. I never really give you the ending. Uh, okay. But, you know, last one before we get out of here. When you think about that salary caps, money in the NFL, and how dangerous of a sport this is, uh, what is it going to take? Because I, I know, like, there's been rumors before, like, oh, they're going to they're gonna walk out. The CBA can't get agreed upon, so the players are going to strike. I don't think that ever truly can work because of the – let's say 70% of the league doesn't make as much as a 30. So it, it never truly can be one unified voice, but what is it going to take for them to look at that salary cap and say, maybe it needs to be 30 million or whatever, $300 million, or maybe we need to find a way to give more guarantees to every player um, because of guys like DeMar Hamlin, you know, guys like that that don't have guaranteed contracts early in their career that could have been life or death career ending and, and it still might be, but he doesn't have guaranteed money. So what is it going to take for the NFL to really realize and these owners to say, look, we have to find a way to, to make it better for both sides. That's a, that's probably a six hour conversation. So we'll have to do it. <laughs> but uh, it's a, it's a problem. And like the NFL PA tries, uh, but in my opinion, and I, I'm pretty vocal about it. It's not working. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the union has tried, but what's your ultimate the problem in the NFL, it's not about getting guaranteed contracts. It's that it's very, 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 very difficult for NFL players to get leverage because sure. your rookie contracts, if you're a halfway marginal, decent player, you're severely underpaid. Yep. Severely. I don't care if you're the number one pick in the draft. Joe Burrow's making $9 million a year and Aaron Rodgers is going to make 60 this year. Right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Justin Jefferson's on the books for $2 million this year. The top receivers are making 30 Lamar Jackson can't get a new contract. He was unanimous league MVP. So it's very, very, very difficult to get to free agency, which means it's very, very, very difficult to get leverage. Tom Brady never got to free agency outside of asking for it. Russell Wilson got traded. Who are the best players in the national football? Like Joe Burrow's not getting to free agency. Patrick Mahomes isn't getting to free agency. Lamar Jackson got franchised, which is another mechanism. If Lamar Jackson's not good, he's going to get cut. But if you're really good and your contract expires, now we have a mechanism to keep you at a, at a fraction of your market value. Right. So what do you think that does to the tier two QBs and the tier three QBs? Deshaun Watson lucked out by getting in trouble. He found a team to trade for him that didn't want him anymore. That's the only reason he got paid. Kirk Cousins got to free agency, which is why he got a fully guaranteed contract and was the highest paid quarterback in football. No one ever said he was the best quarterback in football. He had the most amount of leverage 
as the best quarterback in football. And that's why it's hard because you, you have 2,200 players in the league. You're asking current players to fight for future players. The, the Tom Brady's aren't going to go to the NFLPA meetings. They're trying to win a Super Bowl at age 45. So what really needs to happen is you need to figure out a way to communicate significantly, consistently with 2,200 players. It's hard to get six players to agree on something, let alone an entire locker room, let alone 32 locker rooms, let alone future players and past players. Then your ultimate leverage is you don't step on the field. Yeah, well. That's it. If you don't step on the field opening day, well, that network money isn't coming in, but you have to have an answer to the billions of dollars that the players need to live for the next six months. Because to your point, not every player has millions of dollars put away. The majority of the league is made up of fourth-round picks to undrafted players. So unless you go to an Amazon or an Apple or a hedge fund and say, let's set aside these $3 billion so these guys don't have to step on the field opening day, that's the only thing that's going to get the owners to come back to the table and be serious. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot right there. That's a lot. We're going to have to get Blake back after the NFL draft for sure then because we definitely want to catch up, see where your players are at, uh, see what went, went good, what went bad, and uh, any advice for uh, future players as well because love your stuff, man. Appreciate everything you do for the community of Minnesota. Thanks for everything you've done for most of the players that I know because I've heard nothing but good things. And so I want to thank Blake uh, Bears for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. All right, we're going to react to Blake Barrett's here in just a second. Let me remind you to subscribe to the NFL Draft Buzz newsletter authored by Luke Inman here of Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's NFL Draft Buzz. Get the latest as the NFL Draft rapidly approaches just nine days away. Subscribe to it for free. LockedOnPodcasts.com slash newsletters. LockedOnPodcasts.com slash newsletters. Get the latest draft intel into your inbox do it for us today man but just real quick what what were your thoughts on uh blake barrett's like for me the cj ham usage like he talked about that like when you go from you know what did he say i don't even know the percentage he said but when you go down to 10 percent usage from where he was yeah from 30 um, to 10 i think he said something like that yeah like yeah. when you think about the usage going down but then you decide to resign that's a negotiation conversation like you said these conversations become ongoing with teams agents gms coaches so I have a feeling, you know, one, the Josh Oliver signing, I have a feeling the Vikings are, are have talked about this with CJ Hand. We want we do want to run the ball more. Like, I don't care what and the fact that they haven't made a receiver a priority, they did just sign another DB, uh Joe Juan or Joe Juwan. I don't know. I want to make sure I say it right, but Joe Juan or Joe Juwan uh yeah. Williams from um went to exa- uh sorry from Vanderbilt, but then ended up uh with the Patriots. Uh, so they added another, and that's more of a depth piece. I still think Andrew Booth or Caleb Evans are your starters, uh, are potential starters, depending on the draft, um, and Byron Murphy. So I think that's a depth piece, you know, a special teams guy for sure, but a depth piece uh, because we talked about what they needed going into training camp, and that's that's somebody you can get for for not a lot of money. Uh, so I, I feel like they, you know, they're not. It doesn't sound like receiver is a priority. I think this is one of those. 49ers looking offense. Debo Samuels is the main receiver they have. And then it's George Kittle. The Vikings are built the same way now. You got multiple big tight ends. You got a fullback. Uh, and you have a dog receiver. And you have KJ Osborne, who I think is a solid wide receiver, too. So I that that spoke volumes to me when he said that about that. And then also Adam Thielen being a purple jacket guy. I agree with that too. What did what did you get? It, yeah, I was going to talk about Phelan. I just felt like he was a very honest about the negotiations that they had. And I think, didn't he say that 
you know, he didn't want his client to be a $10 million decoy, right. which is basically, yeah. And, and that's kind of an accurate classification when you're playing with Justin Jefferson, you are a little bit of a decoy is that yeah. you're trying to draw attention away from him uh, so that he can thrive. And uh, yeah, I thought Blake really kind of gave an honest analysis of the situation and took us behind the curtain. That was very interesting, but he was very clear that things are good. Like it's business. It's not personal. Everybody's good. Uh, the conversations were respectful and, uh, and Adam wants to, you know, make something of his career now in Carolina. So I, I respect that, but a uh, really good stuff from, from Barrett's on both those guys. I loved it. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to be in the media a lot. I think during the season, because I, I'm guessing they're going to get Bryce Younger, CJ Stroud, Anthony Anders. You know what? We keep I mean, Anthony Richardson could be the guy too. It could be a sneak attack where they tell us all that. Here's our guy. Here's our guy. But then, but, but, but Bryce Young did decline the rest of his visits. Like his rest of his first round visits, he stopped them. So maybe the Carolina Panthers told his agent, like, look, man, he's our guy. I don't even want to BS you guys anymore. We're going to take him. Uh, so let's get, get ready. Like, let's let's get this playbook together. Bryce Young, Adam Thielen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is our guy. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what that looks like for the Carolina Panthers uh, and what happens with Adam Thielen. But yeah, Blake Barrett's man, that was that was huge for him to kind of explain a lot of that, you know, the conversations. Uh, and yeah, that, that, the expensive decoy, clearly we know how they felt now. I mean, we've seen the tweets, uh, we've seen him say, I want a chance to be able to be me. And maybe he doesn't have the chance here, you know, in Minnesota, he didn't have the chance because Justin Jefferson became the focal point. They weren't letting Adam Thielen be a true one and one, like one, a one B is Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. Adam Thielen was becoming a two. And I, I think the writing was on the wall. So, uh, I think it was a, a good decision for both parties. Just wish it could have worked out for Adam here, but you know. Well, we'll definitely have to get Blake back after the draft, see where his guys end up because he is representing some guys as he bought up. Uh, and that process right now is crazy. But remember, people, if you want endless Vikings talk, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube. You can also subscribe on the uh, iHeartMedia if you get your podcast there, Spotify, iTunes. Subscribers help drive us, people. And, and we want to be with you guys and come along these guys along the way uh, as we grow together. You know, this has been a fun project. I'm enjoying it. I hope you guys enjoy what we're bringing to the table. And remember, we're going to give you podcasts after every single game. Vikings press conference as well, delivering all the biggest news, and especially after the draft. We want to thank FanDuel uh, for, for their continuous support. It's been a huge uh, boost and, and a fun conversation. Uh, but I want to thank you guys for joining us today, and have a good one.